please stand if you are able and join me in the call to worship. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the floods clap their hands. Let us now confess our sins before God and one another. Lord, as we sing of your holiness, we are reminded how far short of your will for us we come. We are a people of unclean lips, and our lives are marred by vanity, presumption, and broken promises. Too often we seek the easy way, shirk confrontation with injustice, and fail to share your good news with those who are hurting. Gracious God, give us humble hearts to worship you in spirit and in truth. 
who is in a position to condemn us? Hear the good news. As we sincerely repent of our sins, our Lord is always faithful to forgive. Good morning. Good morning. It is a joyous day in the life of the congregation of Yorkfield today. Uh, we celebrate 11 um, of our uh, young folks who are coming today to make their public profession of faith, to become members in the church, uh, this confirmation class who have been studying and praying and uh, working with their mentors uh, diligently over this last year. Um, I want to remind you that uh, after the service, um, all of them will be here in the lobby area uh, back, and there's cake, and be sure and have cake, and there's other refreshments, coffee and, and other things as well. Uh, all of that will be right after the service today. I welcome you. Uh, hopefully you'll have a chance to um, fill out the little bulletin tab there that's um, on your bulletin. Put that in the offering as it comes by. There may be some things that you want to sign up for as you're reading uh, your bulletin. You'll notice some things coming up. The most important thing I need to tell you, it doesn't really affect you who normally come to this service, but starting next week uh, with Memorial Day uh, weekend, we move to summer hours, which doesn't change a lot. So for the first service, if you come at 9, you don't even have to remember anything. Just show up again at 9. Uh, but there will be no Sunday school. Today's the last day of Sunday school, so that will be over for the summer. And then the second service, if you normally come then, will be at 1045 instead of 1115. So just to give you a heads up about that. And then a couple of things that are coming up this summer, uh, just to let you know, uh, in addition to Vacation Bible School and, and much else, um, the picnic coming in July. I want, want you to know about that, kind of prepare. And then all church camp, especially uh, towards the end of August. Love to have you be a part of that. It's something designed for families, for young folks, all the way through uh, us older adults. And um, yeah, there's a place for you to note that on your bulletin tab so that we can kind of have an early head count. And then last week, we, we formally said goodbye to our student pastor, Jeff Lynn, uh, for the year, who we've really delighted in having here. We had a memories book for you to sign, and uh, Jeff, since Jeff's here for actually one last day to teach, uh, the memory book itself is out here uh, in the uh, Welcome Center. And if, if you didn't have a chance to fill in something in uh, to thank Jeff for his year here, please uh, go and, and do that uh, as you have a chance after the service today. Children of the congregation, would you come forward? I think um, Pastor Beth is going to want to have you gather right over here by the baptismal font.
I brought this bowl of water today so we could talk about baptism. When you look into this bowl of water, we see clear water. You can go ahead and put your hands in here if you want. Feel what this is like. Today is a special Sunday when we're going to talk about baptism and also about something called confirmation. Have you ever heard that word before? That's kind of a big adult word. So we're going to try to break it down. When people are baptized, promises are made for them. And sometimes they're too young to remember them. Sometimes they are just the right age and they always remember them. And sometimes people are even baptized when they're 70 or 80 years old. But we make promises when we're baptized. If your baptism came at a time when you were a tiny baby and you were held in someone's arms, your, your parents probably made those promises for you. So today, a bunch of young people, who are mostly eighth graders, are going to make promises for themselves. They're going to confirm or say yes to their baptism promises. So when we look into this bowl of water, do you see any signs that would say to us, should I say yes? Should I say maybe? Should I say not now? Should I say no? Can you see any signs? No. Hmm. What happens is, When young people are asked to be confirmed, they look into the waters of their baptism and they ask the Holy Spirit to be with them and then they decide, will I say yes or will I say no to my baptism? That's what they're doing in confirmation. They're saying, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. Yes, I believe in God, who is my Father. Yes. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So today when they stand up here and they're asked questions and they give answers, what they are doing is they are looking into this bowl of baptismal water and they are saying, yes, I believe. Let's say a prayer. Amazing God, send your Holy Spirit to be with all of us this day and in all of our lives. For all the times that we are asked to choose, yes, maybe, not now, no, I'm not ready, absolutely, God be with us in our decisions so that when we look into the baptismal waters, we will see signs of how we will answer your call. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's children say, amen. You can go back to your seats.
Last week, as we were reading the 15th chapter of, of the Gospel of John, we were we heard that great I am. Jesus tells his disciples, I am the true vine. And we talked a lot about how we are the branches and how we're incapable of doing anything apart from that vine. Jesus continues talking about that and what follows if we remain in the vine. But first, let's pray together. Lord, gather our our thoughts. Put aside our distractions. Help us to be silent and still deep inside and send your Holy Spirit to guide our deliberations as we meditate and reflect upon your word. Indeed, let it speak deeply inside us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So Jesus tells his disciples, As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. Because you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember, remember the word that I said to you, servants are not greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. This is the word of the Lord. I thought that this morning we would just kind of go through this a little bit, sort of more or less line by line, and try and understand John's um, and Jesus' argument that he's making here, what he's trying to, to tell his disciples, really, in the very last uh, days of his life. He says, as the fathers loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus loves as the Trinity loves in eternity. No half measures, completely, totally, passionately, preeminently, extremely. He invites us to enjoy that love, not just for a moment or two, but he wants us to remain in his love always, to make ourselves at home there. It's where we belong. 
It's what we were made for. His love is our shelter, our hope, our life. He isn't going to stop loving us. But what about us? Will we have sense enough to accept his love and let ourselves be at home in his love for us? But we might ask, as no doubt the disciples did, well, how do we abide in your love? How do we make our home there? How do we pull that off? So Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Again, you can almost hear the disciples saying in their hearts, what commandments, Lord? Do you mean the Ten Commandments? Do you mean an eye for an eye? Do do unto others? Don't boil a calf in the milk of his mother? What? This is my commandment, Jesus says, that you love one another. He says, I don't command you to pray for three hours a day, to memorize Paul's letter to the Romans. Of course, it hadn't been written yet. I don't command you to draw up a catalog of all moral and ethical sins and make your avoiding of them the most important thing to do. Nor do I command you to invest half your time in in getting your theology just right and, and the other half making sure everyone else is as orthodox as you. I'm not commanding you that. I was standing by a bonfire uh, of some pastors a few weeks back. It was 1 o'clock in the morning, and as only pastors would do, a couple of guys were having this discussion about 300 years from now, who would be most read, Karl Barth or Cornelius Van Til? What do you think? (laughs) Kind of what I thought. Not Jesus' priority. What I command you, he says, is, that you love one another. There's a relatively famous story that comes out of the 5th century. A couple of uh, desert fathers, uh, these monastics that lived out in the middle of nowhere in the desert, were on a journey, two of them together, and they, they came to this river, and also at the river is this beautiful young woman, and she's waiting there, and she can't get across the river. Now, Monastics in that time were not even supposed to look at women, let alone to, to have anything to do with them, to talk with them, to, to touch them or whatever. And one of the monks says, well, just, he tells the, this beautiful young woman, well, get on my back and I'll carry you across the river. And so she does and they get across the river and he lets her down and she goes her way and the two other monks go their way. And then, like hours later, miles down the road, The first monk says to the other one, how could you possibly have done that? You, a monk, a desert father, you carried that woman across the river. To which his brother says, I put her down miles ago. Why are you still carrying her? Jesus says, love one another, but... In loving others, it's not simply that you kind of have a warm feeling about humanity. But we exercise care for individual human beings. We allow ourselves to get involved in the lives of others. Even if it's uncomfortable, or it uses up our time, or it's messy, or it costs us our reputation. Another story a little bit 
closer to our time. Just after World War II, the World Council of Churches was trying to rebuild um, a lot of the churches in, in Europe, and they'd been pumping some money into some little tiny churches in some remote regions in the Balkans. And they, they wanted to know if their money was being well spent, so they sent out um, uh, 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 Wilford, excuse me, John McKenzie, who was the moderator of the Church of Scotland. And he and a couple of uh, other um, clergy from, who were from a fairly conservative pietistic denomination, they make it uh, into this very remote village, and they're there at, the, uh, at, at this little tiny Orthodox church. And they met the priest there. And this is a guy who lived in almost total isolation. And he was, you know, really amazed that somebody was there from the World Council of Churches. So he invited them in to his, uh, his rectory there. And, and immediately he pulls out this box of fine Havana cigars. And he's, he hands it around. And, and Mackenzie takes one out and bites off the end and lights it up and takes some puffs. And he says, oh, this is good. And... Uh, the priest tries to hand some to the other two guys, and they go, oh, we don't smoke. We, we, can't, we can't do that. So then he puts the cigars back, and then the priest goes into his pantry there and brings back his finest wine. And he pours a, yeah, a glass for Mackenzie, and Mackenzie swirls it around and tastes it, and he remarks on the fine quality of the wine. And um, a little bit later, he says, I, I think I'll have another he offers, the, of course, the priest offers it to the other two guys, and they're like, oh, we don't drink. We don't drink. So after the visit's over, they're, they're getting in the car to leave, the, the three guys from the World Council of Churches, and the, the two um, more conservative, pietistic ones, you know, they just assailed Mackenzie, and they go, are you telling us that you, an officer of the World Council of Churches, moderator of the Church of Scotland, that you smoke and drink? Mackenzie says, I don't, but somebody had to be a Christian back there. Maybe not the best story to tell on confirmation Sunday now that I think about it. <laughs> you know, sometimes we have to give up the finer points of our ethical convictions to show love for others. Caring for others trumps everything else in the Christian life, everything. Jesus thinks it's so important that he commands us to do it. And really, if you go through the New Testament and you look at all the places that Jesus makes commands, you're going to find that it's a very small list. Jesus apparently felt that, that if you could just do this, if, if you could just love one another, everything else about the faith, about being a Christian, about being a faithful disciple would just follow. It would just follow naturally. It's kind of like going to Oberweiss over here. Most of you have probably been to Oberweiss. Have you ever been there with a little child? We have grandchildren. You take them over there. You know, you do not have to command them once you get into the Oberweiss. You must have an ice cream cone. You must eat it. You must enjoy it. And you must sort of generally have fun. You do not have to command that. All you have to do is get them into the store. Actually, you just sort of have to aim them in that direction. Jesus is saying something about loving one another. Just begin there, and everything else will follow. Love each other, he says, as I have loved you. 
And how has he loved these disciples? Well, as he tells them, as he anticipates, he says, no one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends, which Jesus, as he's telling them, this is about to do himself in just a matter of days. Jesus holds nothing back, nothing. Confirmands, shortly, we're going to hang some crosses around your neck. They're made out of nails to remind you that this faith that you are about to profess cost something. Everything, in fact. And so it will also cost you. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you, Jesus said. We told you when you began as confirmands that you're going to have to give up something during the year, that there would be some conflict, and I think all of you found that out. Well, that's just an, an early welcome to a life of following Christ. Let those crosses be reminders that to be a faithful follower of Christ is going to cost you something as well. Because Jesus gave everything for his friends. And who are those friends? Jesus tells his disciples, I don't call you servants any longer, these guys that have been following me around, but I've called you friends. What an incredible statement. But he calls us friends. I mean, who of us would dare to say that on our own? I'm a friend of Jesus, friend of the co-creator of the universe, friend of the one who will judge the world, friend of the Son of God. And yet he has said that about us. We are his friends. Think about that. I don't mean that in the way that some people would say that, like, he's our buddy Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. Hey, how's it going, dude? But Jesus is that one person in all of the world and beyond the world that really gets you. Really gets you. The real you behind the mask. Gets you absolutely. No misunderstanding. We're his friends not because of our good looks, our charisma, our IQ, not because any charm or sort of coolness quotient that you might happen to have, nor because of anything that we've done or ever will do to earn his friendship. We're his friends because it was his desire to have that relationship with us. He says, you did not choose me, I chose you. Have you ever had that experience of, of waiting around, standing around, waiting to be picked, waiting around some sandlot baseball diamond, and, and they're choosing up sides, and nobody's picking you. And then finally, you're like that last little kid, and, and they pick you, but only, you know, you know, it's really reluctantly. Or maybe you've stood around at a dance, waiting for somebody to pick you. Waiting. I chose you, Jesus says. I picked you for my team. I chose you to be my partner for the dance. So let's dance. Let's play. 
I chose you and I appointed you, he says, to go and bear fruit. It's not some sterile mutual admiration society that he's called us into, but it's a working friendship committed to the same cause that all should be gathered into this friendship of Christ. So finally, I'd like to share this other one final thought. Did you notice that right in the middle of this passage, sort of right smack dab in there, he tells his disciples, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you. What an amazing statement. Jesus is sharing all of this so that his disciples, so that all of us will be filled with joy. And not with just any kind of joy. Not the joy of Christ. Not, nothing like, like, like the joy of having Christ inside of you. Dwelling in them deeply and serenely. The kind of joy that goes deeper than momentary fears. A joy that thrives even in the midst of discouragement. A joy that's not dismayed by the news of the world because we've received a greater good news. This joy is for you, confirmance, as you come to make your public profession of faith. And it's for us who renew our vows as you make yours. Christ's joy coming to make his home in us. Now I'd like you to stand and together we are going to say in unison the combined uh, faith statement that comes from all the individual state faith, state, statements of faith of our confirmants. You just, it's not in your bulletin, so don't look in there. Just got to look up here at the, uh, at the screens, and we'll say this together. I believe in God, Father of all and creator of all. He gives me his strength, and I owe my life to him. I know that God is there, and I can always talk to him. I believe in Jesus, my Lord, friend and Savior. He is God's Son, who was sent to earth to save us. He died on the cross for us to forgive our sins from the past, the present, and the future. I believe in the Holy Spirit, person, not thing, guardian and protector of us all, God working in all of us, helping us split right from wrong. From creation, God gave mankind the ability to choose. From choice came temptation, and from temptation came sin. My salvation is dependent on the fact that I believe that Jesus died from my sins. I believe in the church and that it's a gateway to God along with prayer. As the people of God, we are all Christ's body, and he works through us to make the world a better place. Heaven is the great eternal gift waiting for us. With eternal life, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will be with me forever. Amen. Let us sing together.
gratitude to God who gives us his joy and who gives us all great and good things. Let us, in thanksgiving, receive our morning offering. This time, I would like to ask the confirmants to come and if they would stand here uh, with their parents and their mentors. So they're coming up. You'll notice the insert that's there in your bulletin. That's a little paragraph from each one of the mentors as they've talked about the confirmants that they've worked with this year. Also on the screen, you're going to see this rotating um, series of slides uh, with wonderful photos of them and difficult moments on retreat and otherwise. So joy always this year, this time of year, for us to welcome these folks who many have grown up since baptism here themselves um, in the faith and now come to this time of confirming it um, here publicly before all of you. We have seven in this service. There are another four that will happen in the next service. Um, working with them probably most uh, prominently is uh, Angie Udelhoff, our Director of uh, Christian Ministries, uh, Children's Ministries. So Angie, you want to share a little bit about these guys? 
Okay. Um, yeah, the good stuff only. Um, actually, it's been great joy working with all of these uh, youth this year. Many of them I've had the privilege of knowing for a long time and working with them in Sunday school and town and middle school. And uh, it's just so fun uh, watching them grow up in not only um, their personal lives of, of family and school and things, but also their spiritual journeys. And especially this year, watching how um, diligent they were in all that they did uh, in, pre in preparing. I think uh, Brian Keller would, would agree with me, too, that uh, they, they go through a lot in this year. And uh, I think they mature a lot as a person as well as in their spiritual journey. And it was a joy to watch from the beginning when they signed on their covenant in August that they uh, faithfully came to worship. They faithfully came to Sunday school. They diligently did the assignments that was passed on to them, not only through um, us, but also th through Mr. Keller in preparing for um, really understanding what this is all about, why they're taking this step. And they also met monthly with these wonderful mentors behind them who helped uh, guide them and teach them along the way. They had a chance to meet with them monthly. And also, they did a service project with each of their mentors. And uh, many of them, I think, have uh, found such joy in it that they're looking forward to continuing in some of those uh, endeavors that they did. So that was really great, too. So um, they also, uh, you'll see in the slideshow, made dinner one night for PADS as a group. So uh, we are uh, thrilled that they are seeing that it's important to be the hands and feet of, of Christ as well. And um, on a personal note, too, I just really thought this group was a great leader on the midweek program. Uh, we have 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, and they really showed what it means to be a leader. They did a great job of intertwining the 6th and 7th graders and making them feel important, and I think that's what a true leader does. So it's just been a great joy, and I look forward to their membership in this church and all that they can um, share with us in these upcoming years. So it's been a pleasure, guys, and I look forward to uh, continuing to watch you grow. Thank you. So now we have come to that moment. So James Pokorn, Haley Cost, Gordon Jensen, Jenny Chapman, Morgan Knight, Fiona Marnick said, and Chris Taylor. I put these questions to you as I do so. Now it is your time to make your public profession of faith. Do you now publicly declare your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you renounce evil? and affirm your reliance on God's grace? Will you actively participate in the worship, fellowship, mission, and government of the church? Will congregation please rise and answer these questions? Do we as members of Yorkfield Presbyterian Church agree to accept these new members as brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we? We do. And will we seek to show them the hospitality of Christ and together worship and work for the coming of Christ's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? Will we? We will. Congregation, you may be seated. Gordon, if you would come forward. One of the joys of today is that in addition to having Gordon uh, be confirming his faith, he's also uh, being baptized as well. And so, Gordon, as you come, You've already made your profession of faith. So now, as I place this water on your head before so, here, 
this prayer. Gordon Ross Jensen, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gordon, you are a child of God. Welcome to the family of God. I'll let you stand back there with your colleagues. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for these new members whom you have brought into the fellowship of your church. Empower them now to use the gifts you have given them to bring up, to build up your church and to be bearers of your truth and light in the world. Nurture them through your Holy Spirit to battle against the forces of evil in this world and give them an ever-increasing sense of your presence and eternal love. Amen. Amen. So we welcome you into the church with presents that we have for you, certificates and cards and Bibles and crosses. Jenny, welcome to Christ Church. Gordon, welcome to Christ Church. Morgan, welcome to Christ Church. Haley, Welcome to Christ Church. Fiona, welcome to Christ Church. Chris, welcome to Christ Church. And James, welcome to Christ Church. Place these crosses on you. Again, remember that they're made of nails and what it cost for your faith. James? Haley? Gordon? I think maybe some applause is appropriate at this point. <laughs> Confirmands, it is our joy. We will be gathering with you in the lobby to eat some cake together and continue the celebration. Mentors, we thank you. Parents, we thank you also for each one of these. 
God bless you guys. May be seated. Yeah, I just wanted to share that um, all of these mentors and confirmants will be out in the lobby, but the uh, children or the youth that will be confirmed the second service will be out there as well, so you'll have a chance to greet all 11 together. At this time, as we continue in worship, it's our joy and privilege to share some joys and concerns from our own congregation. We can't say it enough that we do rejoice in the baptisms that are happening today, both Gordon Jensen, who's just happened, and James Foreman, who will be baptized in the second service. And for our 11 confirmands, we give God thanks as they proclaim their faith and are welcomed into this faith community. Some concerns. Joyce Carlin's daughter-in-law's mom, Jean, continues in hospice care. We've been praying for her the last few weeks. We ask your prayers again for her, for her daughter, and grandchildren. Also, Tam Tammy McWinney asks for prayers for a dear family friend, Jerry Turpin, who took his own life this past week. Please keep his family in your prayers. Also, Carol Spittler will be undergoing biopsy in the coming days. We keep her in our prayers. Just as well, Hazel Hickson has suffered a fall, bruising her knee, shoulder, and face, but fortunately has no fractures, so we keep her in our prayers as she recovers. And finally, Jean Bornman asks for prayers for Solveig Pedersen, who has not been feeling well. And we remember, too, our homebound parishioners and those with ongoing health concerns. Please pray with me. Oh God, you have told us that you created us to praise you, to love you, and to trust you no matter what. As we continue our worship now in prayer, we lift up our hearts in praise of you. We praise you for creating all that is, seen and unseen. We praise you for being faithful to us, even as we are unfaithful to you. We praise you for accepting us, just as we are in Jesus Christ. And we praise you for entrusting us with the task of being your light in this world and for promising to be with us until the job is done. We pray for your whole church on all continents and in all expressions. Heal our divisions, O God. Unite us in mission and anoint us with your spirit. We pray, too, for every nation of the world, the developing and the developed, the rich and the poor. May those who lead all nations wield both mercy and justice, respecting all life in their care. Help us all, whether we lead or follow, to be loving and fair in our spheres of influence. We pray for your whole creation, that we as your children would be good stewards of it and would inspire all to care for it rightly. And we pray for our own community, the sprawling needs that are right here on our doorstep. We pray for each of the 43,000 or so people who live in Elmhurst, for, the, for those who have much and for those who have little, for those who are sick, bereaved, and lonely, for those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. From our own community, we 
remember Jean, Jerry Turpin's family, Carol Spittler, Hazel Hickson, and Solveig Pedersen. We pray for those who have it all, the house, the cars, the vacation, but who are restless and miserable. You know all of their names and circumstances. Show us how we can show your light to them. Yet on this day, we especially thank you for our 11 confirmands and for Gordon, who was baptized, for their unsurpassable worth and beauty and uniqueness as children of God, for Jenny Chapman, Bailey Dole, John Foreman, Gordon Jensen, Morgan Knight, Haley Cost, James Pokorn, Fiona Marnick said, Will Sunberg, Chris Taylor, and Abby Udelhoffen. Please bless and strengthen them in every way. Protect them and fill them with your spirit. In the months and years to come, mature and deepen their faith so that they can stand in the face of any adversity with the courage only you can give. Remind them that they belong to you in life and in death and everywhere in between. Don't let them ever forget that you will never forget them, that you are a gracious and compassionate God and that you are always and everywhere working to make all things new. Remind them that you have called them to participate in the awesome task of manifesting your reign. Because of these 11 of your followers, may the streams of justice flow just a little bit stronger. Because of these 11 of your followers, may the movement of mercy spread just a little bit faster. Because of these 11 of your followers, may people who meet them, say 10, 20, and 50 years from now, in Fiona or in Will, I have seen the beautiful love and justice of God. She or he has shown me who God is. As the rest of us welcome and pray for them, we remember our own call to proclaim the gospel and to respond to God's activity in the world through service to others. Help us to do it, God. It is only by your grace that we are still here after all these years, still trying to follow you, still trying to trust you. As we pray the prayer together that Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now as we come to sing this last song together, and before we depart today, may indeed the joy of Christ come and dwell in you richly. Today and tomorrow and always, the joy that is beyond the understanding of the world, a joy that only Christ can give. May the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Amen.